Welcome to the Politico's premier radio podcast. The Politico is a global affairs club operating under Boston University in which we encourage intellectual conversation among students in pursuit of higher knowledge in the field of political research. My name is Lauren Kim. I'm Callie. And we are the co-podcast directors of the Politico. We are joined today by the Boston University College Republicans, a conservative political student group on campus. Yeah. Hi, guys. You know, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, my name is Frank Serp, and I'm the president for the BU College Republicans, or BUCR. Uh, I'm a senior here at BU. I study international relations with a minor in business administration and management. And yeah, it's just really great to be here to talk to you guys about BUCR. Of course. It's great to have you. Thank you for being on the podcast today. So let's get started by discussing one of the more pressing matters that we're all dealing with together. Ever since we were sent back to school or from school, because of the coronavirus in March, everything's kind of been in pandemonium in terms of the media, mask policies, you know, the way the world is handling this pandemic. Um, so now more than ever, citizens worldwide are looking to their respective governments to help them recover from the economic, infrastructural, and medical consequences of this virus. So we were kind of wondering your thoughts on how to reopen the economy, how Americans are handling the mask policy, and especially the COVID protests that are happening around America where people are protesting the requirement to wear a mask. Absolutely. I mean, what a simple question to start off, off with. Um, so I guess first to start off with just masks in general or the mask policies in general. Um, my personal opinion is I don't see any controversy whatsoever. I think that's one of the least things any American or anyone can do to not only protect their health, but protect the health of the most vulnerable in our society. Um, so yeah, I really don't think there's a controversy. I don't think, or I don't think there should be a controversy. I think people should um, do their part in tackling the virus, um, in stopping its spread. Um, but that being said too, um, I think there have been some draconian measures put in place by um, whether it's the national government or the various state governments. Um, and I think that's important to point out. Um, I think, like you mentioned, that the economy um, is, at least for me, a major, major concern. I think right now we're on the cusp of a major economic recession, if not depression. Um, and, you know, as a graduating senior, too, that's something that I'm really worried about. So I think where we are right now, at least as a country, I think we should start reopening uh, immediately. And that's not to say not to take safe precautions and do it gradually, but I think we have gotten over the curve in a lot of states. So I think it's important now to start considering the economic health of our country and uh, doing our part in making sure that these businesses don't fail, that people don't uh, face unemployment, uh, don't face crippling debts, uh, I just, it's obviously a lot to talk about there and I don't wanna you know, go on and on, but I think there's a lot of issues at stake and I think um, we need to start tackling all of them um, head on, not just the health issues, but also the economic ones as well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially you know, on the topic of businesses, especially small businesses are suffering a lot. And we have seen you know, accounts of businesses opening up all over America and people coming in and kind of refusing to wear masks and being often kicked out of the store or asking to speak to management because they feel that they shouldn't be required to wear a mask. So what would you say, 
Or what do you think you would say to those people who are refusing to follow the rules put in place for wearing masks and who are not respecting the business? Absolutely. I think what I would say to them is that these rules are not in place to, you know, to infringe upon your rights or to restrict you in any way, um, you know, in terms of your liberties or your freedoms. Um, I think it's important to remember that these businesses do have a right to dictate their own policy um, if that's what they choose. Um, so just removing the government completely from the situation. Like I said, these businesses can set their own rules. I don't think it's uh, unreasonable to say that you need to wear a mask in a business. I don't think it's unreasonable to say to, you know, keep your distance from other patrons. Um, so yeah, I think as long as, I, I think everyone should do their part, like I said earlier, to keep themselves and each other safe um, as much as possible. And it's, these are temporary measures and the steps that we take now um, will ensure in the long run that we're able to get back to normal faster and healthier. For sure. So actually going back to what you talked about, like um, the economic recovery aspect of this pandemic, um, we were talking about this before about how students are facing kind of the brunt of entering the job market and how it's going to be very difficult to find like established job. So from a student perspective, kind of what steps do you want to see in place um, for economic recovery for um, students looking for jobs right now? That's a good question. So I guess, like I said before, I'm a senior, so definitely the job market or the health of the economy um, is definitely a major, major concern of mine. Um, so I think, like I said before, I think one of the first steps that needs to be taken is that we do need to restart or we need to start reopening um, our businesses, our economy. I think it's past time that we start doing that. I think that'll ensure that um, jobs and whether jobs that will be opening up or currently in place won't be lost. Um, I think also too, I think it's the place of businesses to ensure that if their employees are a little uncertain about getting back to work, that they do take the proper precautions, whether that's, I don't know, setting up barriers, mask policies, um, social distancing, obviously. Um, and yeah, I guess in terms of other solutions, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to pretend that I have all the solutions or have all the answers. Um, I think the government, this is more, I guess, getting to philosophical beliefs, but I don't know how much more the government can do without hurting the fiscal health of our country um, mm -hmm. in attempts to save us economically. Mm -hmm. uh, what I mean by that is uh, when we have been, we've seen over the past few months, different, uh, economic plans, uh, you know, giving out money to people and everything like that. And already we've seen the national debt grow by trillions of dollars. Um, and I think that just shows the tendency of American politics today or the government today to try to spend its way out of problems. And I believe that you might, and that's a big might, get short-term solutions, but in the long run, someone's going to have to pay up eventually. And I just think if we, if, we th if we think that spending our way out of this health crisis is going to solve uh, our economic problems, I just think that's misguided and frankly wrong. I think we need to look towards our businesses um, and some 
government intervention to uh, solve this crisis. So thank you for that answer. Yeah, that was a very detailed response. So, on the topic of you know government response to the events happening this summer, another large event that has been happening are the BLM protests, the Black Lives Matter protests that are sweeping America. This movement has been in the works for years and years, but it has just now come into prominence due to the murder of George Floyd. So we were wondering on your opinions on the movement and the recent protests, um, also taking into consideration the riots that have been covering everywhere, especially you know our resident city of Boston. You know, Newberry Street is still in shambles from the riots that have been occurring there. Um, so just your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. So I guess I should start out off with saying that I support Black Lives Matter um, in the sense that I think anyone um, who faces injustice because of their skin color or who is targeted because of their skin color uh, not only deserves justice, but I think they demand justice. Um, I think instances where the police overstep their bounds or their authority. I think they need to be held accountable through our judicial system. I think that's one of our strengths as a country that we do have a judicial system that is designed to hold people accountable. Um, is it, does it work 100% of the time? No, unfortunately. Um, and I think that's where we as a country can obviously do better in making our country and our institutions uh, more more fruitful and more effective. That being said, in terms of the Black Lives Matter organization, um, so that means the structure or the leadership, it's those people that I don't necessarily support because of the fact that they have come out with statements that um, are Marxist or that support ideologies that I don't think would not only help this country, but I don't think would help the people that Black Lives Matter organization claims to be helping. Um, I think there are solutions out there, but again, I don't think Marxist ones or um, these far left ones are the solution. I think there's better ways to do it. Um, and you mentioned the riots too. Again, I don't, I don't think in any situation it's okay to riot. I think that puts a stain on these movements. I think it puts a stain on this country as a whole. I think, like I said before, I think we have institutions in place that could always do better, but I think they won't do better unless we start engaging with them and respecting them and using them in the way that they're intended to be used. I think um, at the end of the day, it's these riots that ultimately hurt um, the people that they, again, that they claim to be helping or supporting, um, whether it's the small businesses, black owned businesses, just businesses in general, private properties, whatever have you. Um, I think it's just, again, it's not the solution. So earlier in your statement, you did mention, you know, that there was some Marxist sentiment in this movement. And I was just wondering if you could identify a few of these Marxist, um, these Marxist topics that have been emerging in the Black Lives Matter movement and what mm -hmm. you think about those and how you would respond to them. Absolutely. So... Um, I guess first overall, overall, I know there are some members of the Black Lives Matter organization leadership um, that have overtly stated um, that they are a Marxist organiza organization, that the, those are their aims. 
Um, and again, that's just something I can't get behind. I don't think that's a viable solution for these problems or for this country. Um, but then at the same time too, I think some of the policies that they're putting in place, um, and I should say the more radical wing um, that they're proposing, I think um, just aren't in line with what we should be striving for. Um, I think, for example, the defund the police movement, I don't, or even the abolish the police movement, I don't think those solutions are warranted. Um, I think the police need reform. And I think that's, I think this is a situation where obviously words matter. I think police institutions, police unions do need reform and do need more training and do need more resources, or I should say they can use their resources more effectively. But I think by defunding the police, I think we've seen time and again, multiple examples throughout the country where having less police endangers the most vulnerable, vulnerable communities um, in our country. Um, and I think that's why even just right now, I think we're seeing a major shift um, and that people aren't supporting that movement or that, um, that far left ideology um, as much as in earlier in the summer. So thank you for that answer, kind of relating similar to what you're saying. So I think one of the main arguments that people are trying to um, advocate for is the reason why people want to defund the police is actually because of um, recent events of police brutality. And there's and it kind of the recent events in terms of protesting and all of the police brutality that has been going on um, has kind of shown light to a systematic flaw in both the education system and our economic system. Um, so what do you see of a future in which you are able to defund the police, but then um, significantly reform the education system in a way that would uh, reduce police brutality? Absolutely. So first I should start off with saying I agree with that statement. I think there are flaws in our education system. I think there are, are flaws in our law, law enforcement system. Um, you know, I'll be the first to say that, you know, America's institutions are not perfect. Um, I mean, that's a combination of a lot of factors, but I think one of the overarching ones is that at the end of the day, we're all humans and we're subject to human error, human ignorance, human fallacy, whatever. Um, that being said, I think change starts at home, I think. Uh, and what I mean by that is I think if we want to bring about change or if we want to make the union a better union, um, I think that starts with analyzing ourselves and what we do in our day-to-day -day actions. I think, um, you know, it's very easy nowadays to blame someone else, to blame this person, that person, this organization, that organization. I think um, if we look towards ourselves and analyze what can I change in my day to make, again, not only my, my life better, but someone else's life better, some other organization better, my community better, my country better. Um, I think that's when um, we'll start to see more positive change. And I think we'll, I think that's when you'll see this country start to turn a page. Um, now I should also say, I don't necessarily agree that our institutions are systemically flawed, but mm -hmm. again, like I said in the beginning, I think they're flawed in the sense that they're composed of humans and humans themselves are flawed. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that answer. Um, 
I guess similar to what you've kind of your response right now, um, there has been some polarization in regards to how our current administration has been kind of handling the recent events in terms of protests um, and kind of the recent events of police brutality. What are your thoughts on that? And would, is there anything that you would like to change in terms of the response or is there anything that um, you would like to further add? Mm -hmm. So, hmm. so I definitely say that Similar to how I said is that our country isn't perfect. I definitely wouldn't say that this administration is perfect. I think there's a lot to criticize the administration on. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, I think, I think the response needs to be twofold in that I think when it comes to riots, I think it's appropriate for the administration to say that law and order needs to be respected and upheld. Um, again, for the safety and protection of uh, these communities, the people in these communities, I think that should be um, a paramount uh, of paramount importance for the administration. But then at the same time, I think the administration should take um, more approaches to look into these concerns, um, whether that's with the black community, black community, other minority communities. Um, I think they should always be, I think they should always have their door open and a seat at the table to have these discussions, to have these conversations, um, and to find ways to find solutions. Um, I will say, I think the solution uh, that the administration has done a lot to um, help minority and black communities in this country, whether that's with, uh, you know, prison reform, with, um, you know, funds to help uh, minority businesses and communities. Um, but again, I think just with every aspect of life, we can always do better. Um, and I think, again, that's the administration can always do better. Great, thank you. So, you know, a lot has happened this summer in terms of these events, these protests and with COVID and a lot of people, especially, you know, teenagers our age, college kids are taking to the streets to protest. They're very active on social media in terms of sharing their opinions and sharing news. And there's been a lot of different ways of protesting that have developed over the summer. So a lot of petition signing, donating, and I was just wondering what you believe are some effective ways to protest? What are some effective ways to support a movement that you believe in? And what you think of the kind of new sort of protests that our generation has created of posting on social media, of signing petitions and stuff like that? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. And a really interesting one, I'd say. Um, so, I mean, obviously, it's the right of any American to protest. So peacefully protest, I should say. I think um, whether you want to march, whether you want to uh, sign a petition, donate, uh, do something online, I think that's definitely a great way to start. Um, I think, like I said earlier, I think um, change starts with you. And if you want to bring change, you have to be that change. Um, and I think using these different platforms um, is definitely a good way to do that. But then at the same time too, though, I think, um, and this is just a commentary about our generation, uh, I feel like a lot of time we do do these forms of protest, which again, I think are more than warranted and you can do. Um, but I think at the same time, we tend to think that that's enough or that, you know, or we do it more to ha give ourselves a pat on the back and say, look what I did. I think, I think something more that we need to do is more grassroots in the sense that it's good that you went to a protest, that you signed a petition, but what else? What are you going to do? How are you going to make 
like I said earlier, how are you going to make your community, your little bubble better? Um, so while this may not necessarily be a sign of protest, um, but I think a good way is to volunteer to, you know, go to different organizations to almost put, put your money where your mouth is. You want to be, you want to see change? Well, what are you going to do about it? Who are you going to help? What are you going to do to change someone's life? Um, so I think volunteering, um, you know, running for office, obviously, um, is another great way. Um, voting is, I can't stress the importance of that. I think, you know, if you don't like something, vote. That's too many people have fought and died for that, right, for you to not do it. Um, but again, I think there's a lot of ways that you can bring about effective change through your own actions. Um, and I think it's important that our generation starts to realize that and then starts to um, engage with that. Awesome. Thank you so much for that answer. I, I really kind of resonated with kind of your answer about how a lot of advocacy just ends kind of on social media, which kind of highlights both the strength and um, kind of the weaknesses of social media. But I Absolutely. guess you kind of answered this a little bit in your answer, but um, could you elaborate a little bit more on what we as students can do in terms of making sure that we kind of follow through with what we're advocating for? Um, not only just voting, not only just taking part in organizations, but is there anything in, uh, that you in particular um, want to put more emphasis on in terms of um, advocating in a more effective manner? Um, I mean, like I said, uh, and not to sound like a broken record, but vote, um, volunteer, things like that, um, but also follow up. Um, what I mean by that is don't just assume that everything's okay just because you did something on social media or even just because you volunteered. Um, I think, again, it's very easy for us to say, look what I did. I feel good now. Everything's solved. I saved the world. But, you know, that's great that you did that one action, but what were the consequences of that action and did it actually do anything? Um, also too, with voting, again, follow up on that who you voted for, that's great that you voted for that person, but are they representing your interests now? Are they representing what you believe in? Um, and if not, you know, next election cycle, vote them out, hold them accountable. Um, and that's whether they're Republican, Democrat, um, as someone in between, I don't think it, it, it doesn't matter. It, you should vote for the person that represents your interests. Um, and if they aren't, or if, they aren't meeting your standards, do something about it. Um, peacefully, of course, but, um, you know, we're a democracy. You know, you have to use your voice and your vote and your actions to uh, bring change. For sure, thank you for that. Um, I guess similar to kind of this idea of social media and just kind of transitioning into this broader idea of media, we saw this kind of in the previous election cycles and we're seeing this in the upcoming um, election cycles. Um, but this concept of media influence on how people are acting, how people, how people's views have changed, um, this idea of like fake news in uh, some sort of way. What are your thoughts on how the media um, is currently influencing the general population? And um, what changes do you want to see? What things do you want to keep the same? Um, so what are your thoughts on media influence on the general population? Really good question. So 
I think it goes almost without saying that the media has an immense influence on um, the American population, um, whether that's the CNNs of the world or the Fox Newses of the world. Um, I think a lot of times they tell you what to think um, and what to believe in. Um, and I think that's a far-reaching problem. And though I not necessarily say it's a new problem, um, what I mean by that is I think the media for as long as there's been a media has always been trying to um, to push their own agenda um, or to push you to believe in something. Um, again, I think that's just an aspect of human nature to get other people to believe in what you believe in. Um, you know, I'm not a psychologist, so I don't really understand the psychology behind it. But um, that being said, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing, um, as we've seen in the last election and kind of seeing in this election too as well. Um, to kind of counter it, what I would say is what I said before, to follow up and to ask questions and to hold people accountable. Um, I think, you know, I try not to take uh, people's word or what I mean is I take people's word as at face value. Um, I try to do my own research, uh, you know, look at my own sources, look at multiple sources um, in order to find out what the truth is and also be open to the idea that I could be wrong, that my preconceived notions could be wrong. Um, I think that's a difficult thing for a lot of people, uh, admittingly, but um, I think that's step number one to uh, kind of getting out of the rough that we're finding ourselves in, in terms of media influence uh, in our electorate. Yeah, um, great. So we've talked a lot about voting and about holding our people in government accountable. And that kind of, you know, just reminds me of what's also been going on this summer, which is we're starting to think about the next presidential election. So a lot has happened in the last four years, and this has been a very controversial and polarizing presidential election, presidential term. So I was just wondering your thoughts on, you know, how the current presidency has been going, what you anticipate for the next presidential election, and your thoughts on maybe what each candidate could be doing better. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot to answer in that question. <laughs> so I think that overall this administration has done a good job for this country. Um, I think whether it was uh, the economy, um, national security, international relations, um, a whole host of other topics, um, I think they have done a lot to better this country. Um, like I said earlier, I think there is also a lot to criticize the administration on and to, um, to want them to do better. Um, but I think overall, they have delivered to the American people. I think they have delivered um, on their promises. I think uh, nothing has necessarily been a surprise um, on what they've done. Uh, that being said, um, I think this election is definitely a contentious one and definitely um, an interesting one, uh, just given the circumstances that we find ourselves in with COVID, with the world in general. Um, but you know, I go back and forth every day. One day I think uh, President Trump is definitely going to win. Um, then the other day I think former Vice President Biden is definitely gonna win. So I think it's, I think as we get closer to November, it's going to become possibly a little more clear. Um, 
but at this point, who knows? Um, in terms of what they can do better, both candidates, I think, um, first I'd start with uh, Joe Biden. I think, uh, I think he needs to be more, he needs to be out there more. And what I mean by that is I think he, I think he needs to do more in-person events. I think he needs to do more to build up the energy within his base. Um, and not only within his base, actually, within the entire electorate, uh, independents, uh, some Republicans, um, because at the end of the day, he's not going to win this election um, with just Democrats. He needs to get independents and he needs to get some Republicans um, if he hopes to win. Um, in terms of President Trump, I think he almost needs to do the exact opposite uh, in the sense that I think he needs to tone it down a little bit. Um, that's not to say that he doesn't need to be energetic or that he doesn't need to engage with his base, but I think he needs to um, just engage more effectively, um, not engage with, uh, not engage in um, useless Twitter fights. Uh, and that's just been a whole criticism that I've had throughout his administration, but that's besides the point. I think he just needs to be more focused in what he does, what his message is, um, and just communicate that message more effectively with the American people. Um, but I think the, uh, the debates are de definitely going to be very, very interesting. And so is the election overall. For sure, thank you for that um, answer. I think this kind of relates, like on this topic of the presidential election, um, Feel like a lot of the news that we're hearing is actually just in regards to like the domestic news and like domestic perspectives but as a fellow ir major um, i'm also very interested in like the international relations the global perspective of how everything's going down um, so in the past four years our current administration has been both praised and highly criticized for kind of um, their handling of some global events um, so my question to you is, how do you see global politics affecting this upcoming election, especially seeing how diverse the United States is? Um, how do you see the future of this and how do you see it uh, continuously affecting uh, the presidential elections? It's an inter interesting question. Um, I think, hmm. So, I mean, obviously it is an American, an it is an American election. So obviously I can understand why a lot of the focus has been on domestic mm -hmm. issues, but that being said, obviously international developments and news, I think always plays a major part in an election, especially when you are a superpower like the United States. Um, that being said, I really, I wish I could say how effective or how important it will be in the election, but honestly, I don't know. Um, I think, I think American voters will likely not look towards specific events necessarily. I think they'll just look at the whole picture um, in that they'll think, is the United States in a stronger position internationally than it was four years ago? Um, I think that'll probably be the central question. But um, at the same time too, though, um, two things that came to mind though is I think the way President Trump has handled um, issues in Latin America, specifically Venezuela, uh, will probably um, earn him support within not only the Venezuelan community, but also the Cuban community, um, two communities that traditionally do support Republicans, but I think um, do look towards that leadership that does oppose communism or left-wing ideologies more strongly. 
So I think that'll be very interesting to see, especially obviously in Florida. Um, I think there's a good chance that he might carry Florida just because of that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but also in terms of current events, I think the current peace deals coming out of the Middle East uh, between Israel and the UAE um, and Qatar, I think those, um, I think barring any major developments between now and November, and I mean, who knows what's going to happen, obviously. Um, I think that's probably going to help him a lot as well. Um, is it going to necessarily sway the election and, you know, give him a landslide? I don't think that's enough, but I think it's going to, you know, the more, obviously at the end of the day, an election is a numbers game and the more people he gets on his side, the better he's going to do. Thank you for that question, uh, for that answer. Um, I kind of like the idea of like the whole numbers game. So I actually asked that previous question because as an Asian American, like I've noticed instances of, I guess, systemic racism um, and kind of other forms of like discrimination. Um, and is, it, since this election is kind of a numbers game and how global um, events are affecting kind of my mindset on how to vote and also domestic events, um, kind of what place, like what steps do you want to see in place to kind of attract people of different ethnicities within the United States to vote for Donald Trump or vote for um, Joe Biden? Uh, kind of what steps do you want to see to eliminate any form of discrimination and um, kind of sway their thoughts on kind of voting? Definitely. Um, I think that's a very important question, especially um, for both parties going forward. Um, just because as the United States gets more diverse, as it has uh, more opinions, more backgrounds, more ethnicities, more religions. Um, I think it's on both parties to try to attract um, as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, at the end of the day, it is a numbers game. Um, so I guess I'll speak specifically on the Republican Party. I think, um, so I should say too, um, I'm a gay American too. Um, so, but at the same time, I'm not a single I'm not a single issue voter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that the Republican Party can capitalize on in the sense that recognize that these communities have more than one issue or more than one, more than one identifying characteristic that'll get them to support you. Um, I think they can, I think the Republican Party can do a lot to capture these minority communities, um, whether it's Asian Americans, whether it's Hispanic Americans, gay Americans, mm-hmm whatever have you, I think they can do a lot. I just sit, at the end of the day, it's whether the Republican Party wants to put in the work. I think, and that's, that's something that, to be honest, frustrates me a little bit about the Republican Party because I think they can capture these communities. It's just a lot of the times they don't want to be at the table. I think it's, they need to start knocking doors. They need to start going to these meetings. They need to start having a seat at the table if they want to engage with these voters. Um, Because at the end of the day, if the voters see that you don't want to engage with them, they're not going to want to engage with you. Mm -hmm. So again, I think the Republican Party is the party for these communities. It's just, does the Republican Party want to put in the work to capture them? So I guess this kind of transitions into kind of our next question in terms of the future of America, like you've uh, touched on this multiple times, um, but we've seen kind of this polarization that is gripping the nation um, and on so many different kind of current events and current policies. Um, So 
what do you want to see to tackle this polarization and um, how do you think this current next election is going to be kind of the pivotal moment in which um, we kind of finally put to rest this like um, polarization? Absolutely. Um, and I think what you said about the election is actually a little funny just because I feel like every four years, everyone always says, this is the pivotal election. This will change everything. This is the turning point. Um, but that's besides the point. Um, I agree with you. I think where we are as a country right now is very polarized, is very divided, um, is very angry too. Um, again, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, I feel like there's a lot of anger. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'm optimistic. I think our best days are still ahead of us. Uh, I refuse to entertain the notion that America is gone, America is lost, that, you know, it's throw our hands up in the air and just give up. I don't think that's what we do as Americans. I think we continue to strive towards a better tomorrow for uh, a better union. Uh, so I think, again, like I've alluded to a couple times within, uh, in this chat, um, I think it starts with each of us. I think it's, do we want to stay polarized or do we want to do something different? I think it's, it starts with having conversations. It starts with shedding your biases that you might have about Republicans, about Democrats, about whoever. Um, I think it starts with recognizing that we are all entitled to, to our opinions that, you know, just because someone is different than you or thinks differently than you or looks differently than you or whatever have you, that doesn't make them wrong or bad or whatever it just means they're different mm -hmm. so and like i said before there's nothing wrong with saying i'm wrong i think we should be open to having the best ideas come forward to engaging with each other to having conversations and debates to bring these best ideas forward mm -hmm. and to enacting them um you know again just not to sound like a broken record, but it starts with us. And we are a government of the people, by the people, for the people. Mm. So it's if we want to see change, if we want to change the atmosphere in this country, then we have to change it. There's no one else is going to do it for us. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that response to the polarization, especially, you know, as a college student and as representatives of the next generation, we have a whole lot on our plates for dealing with the next election cycle and you know the future of america so you know having these very important conversations is pivotal to dealing with these issues and to reaching a sort of consensus especially as college students we're kind of in the prime of our lives we're doing these things we have all the education on our hands at bu you know countless libraries resources intelligent professors and we have each other who we can have these conversations with and now i'm just thinking are there any places that you would recommend to go on campus, on any college campus really, where you could find access to these resources, places that you consider good places to have conversations or maybe certain professors in subjects or people that you consider to be good interlocutors for this type of subject? So, well, like you said too, I couldn't agree more in the sense that, you know, the world really is at our fingertips. Um, like you said, we have access to libraries, to professors, to each other. It's just, it's really mind boggling when you think about it, just how much we have access to. Um, 
in terms of specifics, I honestly don't have a specific professor or, you know, person to go to. Um, but what I would say in general is to find someone that disagrees with you um, or that you disagree with. Um, you know, whether you're a Republican, um, talk to a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, talk to a Republican. Again, don't, don't go into that conversation to talk at them, but to talk with them. I think that's a very important distinction to make. Um, that's not to say don't have a debate, don't have your beliefs, don't fight for your beliefs, but don't let those beliefs blind you and, you know, dictate your entire personality. You know, continue to be a human, continue to have conversations, continue to be open to learning, you know, take classes that you might not, not necessarily agree with or, um, or think are particularly useful because you never know, you might learn something that completely changes your entire worldview. Um, and yeah, talk with your professors. Again, these are very, very, very smart people. Um, they might not have all the answers, but they definitely can help you uh, get to some of those answers or at least start thinking about what are some of the possible answers. Okay, yeah, great. Um, so thank you for that. I think you're absolutely right. And it also just brings my mind to, you know, the BU Republicans as a club. So I'm sure you guys have a lot of really important discussions and debates surrounding these. And I was wondering, if you could share a bit about maybe what you guys have been discussing or some things you've been doing over the summer or really what your club is all about that you would like to share. Absolutely. So um, BU College Republicans, again, BUCR, um, as the name implies, we're the college arm of the Republican Party. Um, so we really try to spread conservative values and conservative causes on campus. Um, but at the same time, we're really open to having these discussions, these tough discussions, um, in a civil, respectful manner. Um, so we have weekly meetings um, that, you know, this semester are held over Zoom. Uh, everyone is welcome to join. You do not need to be a Republican um, in order to come to these meetings. Again, I wanna stress that you do not need to be a Republican. Um, in fact, we want people to come to these meetings to challenge our ideas. That's the only way, you know, like I said before, we're going to get the best ideas to the forefront. Um, so again, everyone's welcome. Uh, during some of these meetings, we have general debates. They could be about, you know, current events going on. It could be pop culture. It could be honestly anything that our members want to talk about. Um, but then at the same time too, uh, some of these meetings, we have speakers come onto campus. Um, you know, later this month, we're having a um, person from the Center for Immigration Studies coming to speak to um, our members, which is going to be a really interesting event. Uh, and then we also host, host joint events with uh, other organizations on campus. Uh, we have done events in the past with BU College Democrats mm -hmm. that have always been uh, really interesting and I would say the highlight of our semesters. Um, and yeah, just again, we do, at the end of the day, we do support conservative values, but that doesn't mean that we're not open to being challenged and to, um, you know, having these discussions and these conversations. I guess this kind of leads us to our last question. Um, is there anything else that you would like to ask or to share that would represent your club? Anything that you would want to share in terms of the upcoming presidential election or um, anything for the future of um, the student uh, population? So 
I guess the first thing that I forgot to mention about the club is that if you're looking for you know, more information or want to sign up or anything like that, um, you can follow us on social media. We have an Instagram page, Facebook page. Uh, we just launched a new website, which is a really great resource um, just to get in contact with us. So I would definitely point you in that direction um, if you want more information. Um, but yeah, in terms of just the election and things going forward, again, it's, I think as we've kind of said, it's a very polarized year, um, very difficult year uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I wouldn't let that be a discouragement though. I think um, it's very easy for us to say that the everything's doom and gloom and that the world's going to end and that everything's terrible. Um, I think it's just to put things in perspective, to realize that we do have a lot of things that are good, um, you know, things that can always be improved, um, but just to realize that I, I still wholehearted, wholeheartedly believe that our best days are ahead of us. Um, just keeping sight of that, keeping, keeping sight of what you believe in, holding on to your values and, um, you know, vote. Again, I can't stress that enough. Vote. If you want to see change, you have to be the voice of that change. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way to do that is to vote and to hold our politicians and our leaders accountable. Thank you for listening in on this episode of the Political Podcast. And thank you, BU College Republicans, for taking this time to talk with us today. Please make sure to subscribe to The Politica to hear more from our on-campus political groups. For more content like this, check out our publication and website as well. We'll see you next time.